Amen. Thank you, Joe and the worship team. And for all those that are tuning in today, blessings on you as we are in the Christmas season and as we enter into a greater need for peace in our lives. Uh, depending on where you are uh, in the United States, in, in California, in the world, uh, we're in unprecedented times during my lifetime and during your lifetime. And so, as I've contemplated over the past few weeks, just the deep resolve of these four tenets of the Advent season, I think how hope, peace, joy, and love truly are different because of the coming of Christ. That's what Advent season celebrates, is the coming of Christ. And this morning we're talking about peace. The title of our sermon today is The Price of Peace. We're based out of Luke 1, 5 through 24. So grab your scriptures. Don't depend on us. I don't have a whole lot of scripture listed in the PowerPoint. Grab your Bible wherever you are and follow along with me. Let me give you this statement to contemplate today. Peace is never free. There is always a cost. That's why peace has such value. Right now, unemployment is rampant. We're being told after these moments that we have to stay in our home uh, in, in California. Once again, uh, I thought I would test the fates last night and go out to the grocery store just to uh, encourage people buying toilet paper and, uh, and, and see if we had a second great run on, on Charmin uh, this year in 2020. Uh, my wife sent me to a health food store. So I knew when I pulled in to the parking lot and there were five cars in the parking lot last night, something was wrong. Uh, I was at a health food grocery store. And uh, I quickly after wandering through at least three aisles, realized I was in the wrong place. I had gone out for eggnog, and that is not where you get eggnog, folks. Do not go to a health food store. So I had to make two runs, but even at the second store, it still was relatively calm and, and, and quiet. Maybe we're learning a little something through uh, this second swipe at uh, being locked down. But we're being told to stay in our homes. Many Thanksgiving celebrations were mere potatoes and no gravy. Um, and now we're in the Christmas season that I believe will be regarded as historical. Many of us are overloaded with stress and worry and doubt. And our relationships might be diminished. Maybe some of your relationships are even fractured at this point. Maybe they were fractured long before 2020, or maybe that's happened as a result of this year. I, I implore you, prepare your heart for what you are about to hear, because there is a price for peace. And we're going to examine that this morning. All that to say, our future is changing. And it's changing with the wind. And, and maybe our faith is being stripped back a little bit or numbed down. What I thought through last night as I was praying over the message is that 
regardless of what your opinions are, these are historical days. And I've heard it from many of you that, you know, what are they going to write about what we're going through right now? Right? We look back at history and we see the previous pandemic uh, from, from 1920, and we read the histories of, of the families and the suffering, and it's, it's a little twisted, it's a little out of sorts for me to think that they're writing that history right now, we are writing that history right now, and again, it's unprecedented. As a matter of fact, I just on a personal level, I was setting up Christmas lights on Friday, Blew a fuse, went Clark Griswold, and, uh, and so I had to run to the local hardware store. And, and I jumped in my car, and I was getting ready to head out, and my, my father-in-law, whom uh, we live with, came running out of the house, seeing an opportunity to escape the prison that is home. And he said, where are you going? And I said, I'm going to the hardware store, Bill, just get in. Because I knew a hardware store is like Disneyland to my children for him. So we headed off to the hardware store, and as we're traveling down the boulevard, he sees a McDonald's, and, and, uh, and so we say, okay, we, we pull over to grab a little something-something, right? And I'm, I'm sitting there in a very unfamiliar territory for myself, the McDonald's drive through and uh, uh, somebody called on my phone, and I've got my phone playing Christmas music through my, my uh, car uh, sound system, and and then, you know, I'm talking to my wife on the phone and then somebody across the street's yelling and, and my stress just starts going up and then the person starts asking me for the order and my father-in-law doesn't know what he, he's ordering onion rings and fish fillets and jumbo jacks and, and uh, whoppers and, and all these things that they don't serve at McDonald's. And so my stress level is just going like this through the roof. We get through that, that brief encounter, the Christmas music is playing, I'm settling back down, and then at 4.08, it hit. Where were you at 4.08 in the state of California on Friday afternoon? Because until that moment, the emergency broadcasting system, in my mind, in my experience, and my history, was simply a test but all of a sudden blaring through all six speakers in my car is this sound, and it's not just my car. It's the four cars behind me. It's coming and radiating out of McDonald's. I seriously thought Godzilla was attacking the United States. So times are changing. Times are changing. And never before have we needed more understanding of peace in our life. And the price of peace is a heavy one, my friends. But today, we see how Christ has provided the payment for peace. Let me read it one more time. Peace is never free. There is always a cost. That's why peace has such value. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Luke and as we're there today, we're looking at the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah was a priest during the time of Jesus' birth. Elizabeth is his wife, and her cousin is Mary, the mother of Jesus. And so I've given you a little bit of family background here. And, and before I do this, let me pass on a, a, a word to you directly from the Lord. Out of John 14 verse 27, and you can read further into that. We'll get to it eventually. 
But he says this to his disciples at a stressful time. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. So there is a sense of past tense. And there's a sense of present tense. And there's a sense of future tense. That what Christ has done is he has paid that price for peace. He gives a promise, not just to the disciples, but to you and I. So let's look how this played out in real time. So much of the time we look at what comes out of Scripture as these platitudes from God. And it's hard to get our our heads wrapped around it. It's hard to see how it applies into my life. So where I was directed to take us today is just very real events from two people that existed at the time of the birth of Christ. And look and see, and see if we can identify with some of the stresses, right? Some of Zechariah's work stress that he's under. If, if we can identify with some of the personal stress that Elizabeth is under. And see how they navigate this incredible stress and scrutiny and uncertainty And how does that eventually play out with peace that Christ brings? Well, join me, verse 5, and we will start moving through it piece by piece. We're just going to read verses 5 through 8 right now, and let me give you the, the headline on this. Peace is common to no one, but it's earned through trial. Verses 5 through 8. In the days of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Now listen carefully. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. Man, this is your your gold star couple of the scriptures. I'm hard pressed to see that that's even said about Joseph and Mary as a couple. But yet Luke says, here's your gold star standard. They were righteous. They were blameless before God in all of his commandments. That was something fresh and a new reminder to me. I've known about Zechariah and Elizabeth for the better part of 35 to 40 years now, but I had forgotten their stature before the Lord. And so this fits most definitely with the first point today. Now, let me finish up. It says this, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. Now, as I look at that this morning, Here's what I see. Peace is common to no one. It is earned through trial. Let me, let me qualify this statement and, and try to bring us all into the same soup that's filled with tension. Because often in our own lives, we see and examine our own stress, our own conflict, our own tension. And to us, that that world that we're living in, there are many people around us that don't know it, that don't understand it. 
because they're people of privilege. They're people who have it all together. They have arrived. They are blameless before the Lord. What kind of stresses could they possibly be going through? These are the people that you see all the time that, that you don't really understand the pressures and the hurts and the difficulties that they're going through because it seems like their entire life is just together. And yet as we drill down to this couple that's listed as blameless, as righteous, we see that there's a lot of tension. We see that there is a lot of stress. There's a common misconception that those who don't share the misery of our current circumstances have very little need of peace. That is not true. God's righteous people are insulated with peace due to no firm lack of tribulation, but because they paid the price to go through the tribulation, incur scars, and come out the other side with an incalculable and unshakable resolve in peace but there's always a price, always. This morning I ask you a very simple question. Are you ready to pay for peace? Are you? Are you ready to pay for peace? How much would you be willing to pay? How much would I be willing to pay to make COVID go away? Think of your most valuable possessions, right? I'm not, I'm not going as deep as, you know, selling off one of your children. Okay, everybody just calm down a little bit. Although now some of you are thinking, which one would I sell? But what price would you pay for peace? You see, this morning, before I finish, you're going to hear how you can have that kind of peace. Then... The decision lays in, in your heart, in your mind, in your soul. Are you willing to pay for that peace? Are you? And again, understand that there may be those around you that look like they're doing well, they're doing fine. Can I beg of you, never assume that anybody around you right now is doing fine. Let's all practice a little bit of humility. Let's all practice a little bit of care and compassion towards those around us who even seem like they've got it together because chances are really good. As a matter of fact, there is a absolute certainty that there is tension and conflict, distraction, hurt, pain, possibly destruction, sorrow going on in the lives all around us. There is always a price. Well, the second point today, and as we move through this story between Zechariah and Elizabeth, is prayer brings peace. So even though these individuals were blameless before the Lord, they had their own stuff. They had their own stuff. And so what does Luke decide to share with us? Well, the response here is to live life. What Luke shares with us is just simply he picks up this story with them just Zechariah going to work. Elizabeth doing what Elizabeth is doing. And yet, 
going through a process, going through a routine, if it involves prayer, that opens up the ability to experience heaven and the peace of heaven. Prayer brings peace. Just don't be surprised about who you're praying to. Prayer brings peace. Just don't be surprised. Verses 8 through 13. Join me. Now while he, and he being Zechariah, while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Let me stop here for a moment. Now Zechariah is part of the priesthood that serves at the temple the temple where Jesus was presented in our storyline last week by Mary and Joseph, and they were met by Simeon. The temple that housed the Holy of Holies. The temple. And Zechariah was one of the elite priests that got to go in and do certain ceremonial practices that were part of what God laid out in the Old Testament. Now, there's a, the, there's a whole gaggle of priests. That's, that was their official Hebrew term, the gaggle. There's a whole gaggle of priests that would be part of this, and they would cast a lot to see who had the honor to actually go into privately, singularly, into the Holy of Holies. The odds of being chosen were fairly slim. As a matter of fact, history dictates that many of these priests that were part of the temple worship process never in their rotation of service, never had this opportunity. And yet God was at work in the background and made it so that Zechariah on his work day was chosen so that he may experience a heavenly encounter. So let's continue with the Scripture. And he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. Now picture this. There are the priests. There's a cavalcade of, of process that goes in. And the selection of the unique priests that will burn incense on behalf of the sins of the people. And then in the courtyard, there are thousands of people praying Quite a, quite a thing, isn't it? And so Zechariah enters in. And what happens? Verse 11, And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fell upon him. Oh, and fear fell upon him. Yeah, that didn't play out really well. It sounded like Zechariah just fell on the angel there the way I read that. And fear fell upon him, him being Zechariah. When we think through what that experience would have been like, I want you to ask yourself, what would I have responded with? How would I have seen these events unfolding in front of me? It, it was my job to go in and intercede to heaven, to the Lord, on behalf of the people. And yet, when a true encounter happens, when he truly experiences God, fear falls upon him. Sometimes we get so locked into the routine of what we do, even in our faith, that when we truly have a real experience with God, it's so unfamiliar 
that we respond in fear. And yet Christ came that he might give us what? Peace. And that he leaves us peace. What a dichotomy. What a fascinating thing that even the individual that was chosen by God to intercede for the people spiritually between heaven and earth, that when he truly encounters a spiritual being, fear falls upon him because it's getting real in here, right? What a beautiful picture of our churches. Our churches so often get so caught up in the routine and the process and the show that we left God far behind. Even this moment is a huge struggle for me. We have a whole tech team here, folks. And that's why I look around the room. There's thousands in the room, General Newsom. <laughs> no, there aren't. We're in compliance. But that's why, if you're wondering why I'm looking around the room, it's because I'm wanting to connect with the people that are in front of me because that's what I'm called to. And so it's hard when there's separation and there's difficulty and that this is starting to become routine. Because I want to see the interaction with heaven. That brings me peace. But Zechariah was caught off guard because the temple had just become a facade of what it used to be. The presence of God had far long been, been eradicated from the presence of the temple, so it completely caught him off guard. Do you understand the irony of that for our own lives? Maybe that's why we don't have peace. We've been in the scriptures much of our life. We've been in prayer, but we have left heaven out. And if heaven showed up, we would be shocked and filled with fear. Does this sound relevant? This is real stuff. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your, here it is, for your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. Prayer brings peace. Many of us have been praying for a miracle on many levels. Sometimes we see those things happen. Sometimes we do not. Because God has a different focus and agenda. So here you have a well-respected priest, Zechariah. You have his wife, and yet they walk around with the reputation that they're broken by their culture and by their society because they cannot have children. Have you ever paused to think about how you could misuse this passage? See, what I could do right here is I could say that because of Zechariah's prayer, all you have to do is pray hard enough if you have a problem with bearing children. And if you're righteous enough, and if your prayers are strong enough, then you'll have children. What a horrible, maligned statement that would be. For this person, with God's will 
and God's intention at just the right time when it was impossible for them, they kept praying. There was a sense for them that God had this for them. They should have given up and never prayed. The time was done. Their reputation was there. They were already stigmatized. And if you've ever suffered through this this heavy weight, you know that there's a period of time where you finally kind of give up. Because you think God's not listening. Can I encourage you and implore you, whatever the issue is, whatever the challenge is, understand God has a plan. Our prayers need to match that plan just like Zechariah's did. His prayers matched God's will for his life. That's why you hear the angel said, your prayers have been answered. We've been listening. What comfort to know that here comes Gabriel and he says, hey, you know all those prayers that you were just routinely doing and you figure nobody's listening maybe because they're just not being answered. Guess what? We're listening. Does that bring you a certain amount of peace? It does to me. Prayer brings peace. So just don't be surprised when God shows up. I had an interesting experience on this level. You know, prayer is the window into heaven. And I was leading a missions trip uh, back in 2002 in Hong Kong. And it was not going well. I, I, won't, I won't share with you how food factored into that. I won't share with you our, our crazy frenetic schedule factoring into that. Or, or that it was 105 with 103% humidity. Plus it was monsoon season. Plus I found out halfway into the trip that we were living in the mafia section of town. And I'd been letting my, my students run all over willy-nilly. I want to know who that willy-nilly guy is. And so we got one night off out of seven. Up at six in the morning, finish at 10, 10.30 at night, and fall into bed where you can't sleep. <laughs> you just sweat. And somewhere around, around the, uh, the sixth day, we got one evening off. So we went to a spaghetti factory. Yes, they have spaghetti. Oh, no, I'm sorry. TGI Fridays. We went to a Fridays in Hong Kong. And so everybody was so happy. And I figured this would be great to bring the team back together and let them breathe and get some good food. And then we went over to uh, do some shopping uh, at the top of Victoria Peak. And some of you who are listening know where that is. And I was exhausted. And I was getting some blowback from three students because they were probably exhausted. But at that point in my life, there wasn't a whole lot of peace. I was dreaming of getting on the plane and flying back. (laughs) And as we dispersed at the top of Victoria Peak to let them do some shopping, we all just kind of coordinated, hey, you need to be back at such and such time because we've got to make the the MTA. We got to go on the the subway underneath the bay to get home and, and it shuts down. So you've got to be back here at the trolley at, you know, this specific time. Sure enough, we get to that time and these two individuals that had been giving me grief for three days just didn't show up. Not only did they not show up, I was told by the other person that was with them that they just decided we don't care (laughs) 
what Pastor Jeremy thinks or says. We deserve this and we're going to keep shopping. And so I, I had everybody get in the, in the queue. It's kind of like a, a line like the log jammer at, at, at Magic Mountain or, or, you know, the Matterhorn at, at, uh, at uh, Disneyland. And we're standing in line and I, I kind of get everybody there and I get one of my other team leaders to go first and they're going to rally the people down at the base of the hill. And I'm kind of sequestered by myself and I start throwing some prayers up to the Lord because I'm looking for peace. I'm looking for peace. And my prayer sounded a whole lot like Jonah or Elijah. Like, Lord, I have been working so hard in such horrible circumstances for how long? And I have to face these challenges and these difficulties. I'm done. I'm done. If they don't make it off this hill, it's on them. Yeah, you know, I can't, I can't do that. But I'm having these words with God. And I distinctly remember leaning on this railing because I'm tired and I'm, I'm just praying these things. And to my left comes this deep voice that says, sometimes it's hard to be the leader, isn't it? I'm thinking, wait a minute. We don't have anybody on the team who has the vocal quality of James Earl Jones. Who on earth was this? And I turn and look, and I'm going to date myself here, but I'm looking at two individuals that are about six foot five with golden blonde hair like Fabio. I kid you not. Now, I don't know if I mentioned to you all where I was. I'm in Hong Kong, where average height is about five foot eight, and the only way you're finding a blonde person is if they're dyeing their hair. And so I'm looking at these two individuals and I'm like, yeah. And that's about all I could say because I was completely freaked out. And I'm thinking, how do they know I'm leading a team? My team's not around me. And so I just was kind of like, yeah. And, and I went back to kind of my, my space, my world. And I was just like, that was really weird. And then I thought, I was kind of rude. I should, you know, I should say something back. I turned there's nobody there. And I know without a doubt, God sent me a messenger to remind me that yeah, the leadership of Christ was a difficult thing. They didn't listen to him either. And who are you following? What privilege do you have in this moment? To draw upon the peace of Christ or strike out on your own and do your own thing because that's not really working for you. The rest of that trip, and I will say the majority of the rest of my life, has been changed because of that heavenly encounter that came as a result of prayer. Prayer brings peace, but don't be surprised on who may visit you, just like Zechariah. The next point this morning that I want to bring to you is peace is the result of value made manifest. Now, what does that mean? Peace is the result of value made manifest. Well, if we're going to pay for something, it needs to have value, doesn't it? 
How many of you, we were talking in here earlier about purchasing things and them just falling apart. And, and that, you know, you kind of kick yourself when, when those things happen. You want to have value to something that you purchase. Well, peace was purchased for you and I and for Zechariah and Elizabeth. That peace that starts to come into Zechariah's life and to Elizabeth's life comes at a cost. And you're going to hear about it here in, in, right now in, the, in this moment. Turn with me, verse 14. Let's pick up the story again. And, and so this is Gabriel, the angel, speaking to, uh, to Zechariah. And he's told him, do not be afraid. The Lord is listening, right? So here comes the specific. Here comes the manifestation of what you have been praying for, Zechariah. And he says this, and you will have joy and gladness. Well, that's good to know as a parent right? But the inflection here is that you have been sorrowful and regretful because of your status, because of your position, and you've been praying for that. And so I'm going to change that sorrow into joy and gladness. And many will rejoice at his birth. Your reputation is going to change. The scrutiny and the sorrow that's in, impressed upon you by your family, your friends, your society, your culture, they're going to turn and they're going to rejoice with you. I will be complete in bringing peace to you. Every part and every level of what it is this has stolen away from you and caused conflict and hurt and distraction and destruction, I am going to bring peace to that. How amazing this message from Gabriel. And you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great before the Lord. Every father hopes that their child is going to be great. Right? I haven't met the father yet that when they're holding them straight out of the womb, just looks at their, their baby right in the eyes and just says, you stink. You just, you loser. <laughs> it's just, you, you just don't, that, that doesn't fit inside of our moments and our history and our hopes and our dreams and desires for our children. But what a confirmation to have God tell you, your child is going to be great. He will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. So he's going to be great. And he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He's going to be an evangelist. We've already predated what he's going to do. He's got his mark in the kingdom. And he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah. Wait a minute. Not only is he going to be great, not only is he going to uh, be recognized among the people, but he's going to fulfill a prophecy of coming in the spirit of Elijah. All of God's plan answering the prayers of Zechariah and Elizabeth and now being made manifest. Look at the value that God provides to this couple. 
He says, I'm not just going to give you a child. That's what you were praying for. The child that you have will be valued by you because he'll be great. He'll be valued by the Lord because he's great. He'll be valued by all the people because he is great. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. The result of risk or cost is that peace becomes immeasurable when God manifests his work. When God speaks as a result of our prayers, there are no boundaries to what he can do and how he will manifest his value upon the situation in our life. Amen? This Christmas should be disastrous. How do you like that for inspiration? This Christmas should be disastrous, but it could be the best we've ever experienced if we allow God to use it. Zechariah just went to work that day. It was just going to be another day of service at the temple. But look at what happened. You know, if we allow God to truly be in our sorrow, in our hurt, in our tension, we then allow the possibility to work sustaining peace of God that comes at a price. But everything of value has a price. Peace is counterintuitive without deep faith. Let's look at that next statement. Pick up in verse 18 with me. And Zachariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? <laughs> Oops. Let's just look at that one more time. And Zachariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Okay, we're stuck in the practical, right? Now watch, watch what happens. Remember, the idea is that peace is counterintuitive without deep faith. That how God works peace into our life may not make a whole lot of sense. Naaman, I want you to dip in the Jordan multiple times. Why can't I just take a bath in this fresh spring over here? Gideon, I want you to go down to 300 people, yet take on tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. Uh, couldn't you supply me with more people, please? That, that would make a whole lot of more sense. Zechariah, uh, you know, I don't know if you noticed, but I'm getting up there in years and my wife is no spring chicken herself. It's a fair question, is it not? Remember, peace is counterintuitive without deep faith. Watch what happens. And this is from the priest who's been selected to intercede for all the people. He asks a very practical question. But listen to the response by Gabriel the angel. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring to you this good news. Hello, O great priest. You know I'm an angel. And I stand before God. Look, if the PG&E guy shows up at my door, 
and says, I need to read your meter, then I'm probably going to let him read the meter. But if my next door neighbor shows up and says, hey, I want to read your meter, probably not going to give him access, right? I mean, kind of dumbing down the illustration, but Zechariah, being shocked and experiencing the fact that you're encountering heaven, you're encountering Gabriel, how did you not, how did you do two plus two equals seven? How did you not think? Because so much of the time, my friends, we get so distant from God, even though we say and we profess we love him, we have lost track of the obvious. That's why Gabriel answers, in my opinion, with the gift of sarcasm. Uh, hello, Zechariah. <laughs> I'm with God. I'm there. I am that messenger dude that, that, you know, is throughout the history of Scripture. And I'm the one that sends messages for God. So where do you think this is coming from? So this comes at a cost. So... Gabriel says this, verse 20, And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which were fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remaining mute and when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. We struggle to have peace with God. A God that will actually do work in us. Because sometimes we just struggle in our faith. Right? Our faith isn't deep enough. Our understanding of how God says this works, our understanding of how God says He works and, and, and all of that, we're not quite there yet. And even the priest, the CEO spiritually of Israel <laughs> failed the test. Can you relate? And so, I get it. It's counterintuitive with our day-in, day-out process. That's why it's so important that we stay fresh in our walk with God so that we truly remember who God is. Now what's fascinating is when Gabriel comes to Mary and he says, you will bear the Christ child. Do you remember what she says? How will this be? Now why does Mary get off scot-free here? Her uncle loses his voice for a period of time and yet Mary is allowed to question because God interacts based off of, or interacts with us based off of the need of our heart. So I don't want to give you too much venom here for Zechariah's lack of faith. It's to be expected. God knew that that was going to happen. So his losing his voice isn't so much a, a punitive process as much as it is making his faith deeper. Guess what? If I can't speak... I'm left to my own thoughts and, and thinking, and I don't get to communicate very well my thoughts, my opinions. That forces me to listen and to contemplate. Maybe that's what God had for Zechariah. But look, what we really want to hold on to is even for the CEO of spiritual Israel here, 
peace is counterintuitive without deep faith. So the answer is, let's make our faith deeper. Are you ready to pay the price of peace? So here's a secret as I wrap up. Ultimately, you and I don't have to. Remember, we were talking about the value of peace. And as you look at your own life and as we look at at Zechariah and Elizabeth, we think about how God is interceding based off of their prayers, based off of his will, and he brings peace into their own personal struggles. And so we long for that. We relate to that. We see that. But there's something corporately going on for the people of Israel. There's something corporately going on now for the people of the world that all the people of the world need the peace of God. Are you ready to pay the price of peace? Guess what? You can't pay it. Hallelujah, praise God. You cannot pay it. I cannot pay it. Jesus has already paid it. Do I get an amen on that one? Jesus has already paid that peace. And he foretold that. He foreshadowed that when he says to his disciples in John 14, peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Our last point today is one to hold and cling to tightly. Peace with God and through God wipes away costly years and regret. Zechariah gets his voice back and he gets a son that will far surpass his deepest expectations. Elizabeth gets her reputation back and a son she had prayed for and an embracing of her Lord. Listen to the end of the story. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. I'm sorry, I I, I jumped on the other side of the page here. And after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived And for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Elizabeth now has peace. Elizabeth has been given peace when she could not purchase it. You and I have peace today in the midst of whatever circumstance we face whatever personal trial that is going on, whatever worldwide pandemic is happening. It doesn't mean that, that challenges aren't still there. We don't lose our voice. We don't, uh, we don't end up sick. We don't lose friends. We, those things are still going to happen. But the value of peace is to have peace in the midst of the tribulation. Jesus says this, John wrote it down in chapter 15, no greater love hath anyone than to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus brought peace because he already did the battle against sin. It just relies upon us in the application as to whether we will trust in that peace. And that requires deeper faith. Let me pray over this. Father, this morning, as we look at this story of two blameless people, we see that even though they were blameless and righteous before the Lord, they still struggled. They still fell short. And yet we see your character listed here that you were going to intercede. You did intercede. And as you did for 
Zechariah and Elizabeth, you did for a whole nation and you did for all of the world. Father, this is a typology. This is a picture of bringing a son against all odds. But because that son came, peace entered into the life for this family. Because your son came, peace has entered into the world. You paid the deepest price that we might have peace. I pray, Father God, that we see that and that we embrace the gift that's been given to us at such a high cost. Thank you, Father, for the depth of this story and may it encourage us and inspire us as we walk through this week in our routine. To you be all glory, Father. Manifest your work through us. Amen.